Some people seem to move almost effortlessly from planning into action, but appearances can be deceiving. It all comes down to having a process that works for you. I'm your host, M. David Green. Hack the Process is a show about looking at the systems and processes that we build our lives around to support mindful, meaningful progress. This show explores ways that people get past that pivot point, from having a fantasy to putting something real out there into the world. If you're ready to stop planning and fantasizing and start taking action, let's hack the process together. So we came to the end of the first season of Hack the Process with the last episode, and I wanted to take a moment to go through and review some of the things that happened in the first season. And if you're a new listener, this will give you an opportunity to find out something about the people that I spoke with in the first season. And if you've heard these people before, uh, it'll give you some perspective on some of the things I was thinking as I approached each one of these interviews. So to start with, I wanted to give you a little background about how Hack the Process came to me in the first place and why I started doing this. You know, the first question that anybody asks is, who am I? Why should anybody want to listen to me? And I realized that people probably don't want to listen to me, but they may want to listen to some of the people that I'd want to listen to. One of the things that appeals to me about podcasts is not just the background of the people who are there, but more the story, the personal uh, narrative that comes out as people start talking about why they do what they do and how they've done what they do. One of my own problems is that I've had trouble moving from planning into action. I've had trouble going from, I've got something that I want to do, and I can put together all of the steps, and I can learn all of the processes, I can go out there and read all the textbooks, but then getting it out there, actually making it and putting it in front of other people, and it's always been kind of a downfall for me. Uh, I think that comes from concern about reputation. My own sense of my reputation was only reflected in the feedback that I got. You hear people tell you what they think you want to hear, or they tell you what would make them look good to you because they told you that. But feedback doesn't have to come from external sources. It can come from reflecting a source back on itself, like audio feedback or laser light. The only way that you can get real feedback in this world, I think, is to hold up a mirror to yourself and look at yourself and say, what am I seeing? And then you have to learn how to be present in the moment and objective about that thing that's looking back at you from the mirror. That's not an easy thing to do. Uh, one of the nice things about having an audience right in front of you is that you can gauge what you're saying against their reactions and respond and interact. When you're podcasting, you don't have that advantage because all you have is yourself and the microphone. So I was thinking back to the list of people that I've actually had on this podcast. I've had, uh, now I've had a full season of 13 episodes, and there isn't a lot that unifies the people who've been on Hack the Process. In my typical style, uh, not wanting to just dive in and stick something out there in front of the world, I took a podcasting class and met several people who were also in the podcasting field. Either they had been doing it for a while or it was something that they wanted to do. And I immediately resonated with a few of the folks in this class. Um, and one of the first people was Tracy DeLuca. Um, and Tracy and I hit it off right away when we started talking about design thinking and the work that she'd done at IDEO. 
talking with her uh, about podcasting in general, I could get the enthusiasm that she had for it. And I could see why she had pushed herself forward and actually put things out there into the world. Um, and I wanted to invite her to be a guest on my podcast. Uh, so she was one of the, she was one of the first people who agreed to uh, be interviewed by me. And I was really delighted with the way that it came out too. I felt very comfortable talking with her because I knew her. Um, and I had a good sense of where we were going to go in the conversation. But most of all, I sat back and I let her talk. And I think that that's one of the things that makes the podcast most effective. Um, I try very hard as an interviewer not to be the person who's out there in front um, making the story be about myself. Um, so as Tracy was talking, I would uh, sit back and I would listen. And then um, although I did prepare a list of questions, I tried to riff on her answers rather than rely exclusively on my own list of questions. Um, we ended up having a really great conversation, and what you hear in the podcast is pretty genuinely the rapport that we had as we were talking. Uh, in my mind, market research is a valid validating tool. Uh, design research is an inspiration tool. So you're going out to inspire the designers to look at the world differently versus I'm looking at a market segment to try and understand who my consumer is. I really appreciate the distinction that you made there between market research and design research. It, it wouldn't have occurred to me. Yeah, it, it, it's whenever we have conversations with clients about it, I think it's one of the sticking points because it is so unfamiliar and kind of unintuitive. I had a great time uh, talking with uh, Adam Sadiq, who was also somebody I met in this podcasting class. Um, and he has a very different background from Tracy's and a very different background from myself. Um, we both resonated on a certain level because of our mutual interest in uh, the spiritual dimension of reality and how that doesn't have to be defined by specific names or specific religions. Um, it's just something that we can tap into and be conscious of. Uh, he's done a lot of thinking about this, and he's put himself in a position where he can be exposed to thinkers who've driven this idea forward in a lot of areas. I've been impressed with the energy that he brings to his work um, and the work he's doing with his clients uh, and the passion that he has, and I wanted to share his message. If we're not enjoying the process, I personally don't believe in a final destination of like we finally made it. Because if we're truly, truly committed to our own personal evolution, our own soul's mission, I feel like it's a never ending journey. As soon as we feel like we've, we've quote unquote made it, it's like, and there's more. <laughs> so <laughs> might as well be enjoying the whole process from the, the get go. The third person I spoke with uh, was Pace Smith, and uh, she and her wife have been uh, people I've followed for years online. They've been podcasting and publishing books and publishing media and teaching courses. Um, and in fact, uh, Pace is sort of an icon for me um, of the of the lifestyle of the. <laughs> how how would I even put this? She's uh, she's a media entrepreneur. Um, and um, puts herself out in front of the world in such a raw and honest way that uh, you can't help notice her and admire her for what she's doing. 
um, I was really happy to have a chance to talk with her too. And I think that um, I, I, I gushed a little bit. I'm a bit of a fanboy. And that probably came across in the interview. Um, and that contributed to it. I didn't try to edit that out of the podcast either. There's a special kind of fear that I call path fear, which is the, um, it's like more resistance comes up when you find the thing that is your heart's calling than when you stumble across some random thing that's not that important to you. And it's, uh, at first, it, it seems like it might be a sign that it's like, oh, this is not the right thing because it's too scary. This is my heart saying no. But I, um, what I've learned <clears throat> from both my own experience and from working with my pathfinding clients is that it's actually the fear of, of breaking something really precious. It's like this work is a delicate glass sculpture. And if I pick it up, then I might drop it and it might shatter. And it's actually a good sign, not a bad sign, that, that uh, when you encounter that kind of resistance, it actually means you're on the right track. Um, my, my fourth podcast was with uh, Paula Jenkins. And Paula is somebody who uh, has a background in project management, uh, much like myself. Um, you know, I've been doing agile coaching for people and helping people with very technical engineering backgrounds and people with uh, creative design backgrounds and people with product backgrounds all work together uh, to accomplish their goals. And uh, Paula has worked in similar situations at very big companies. Uh, trying to accomplish similar things. Uh, so we had uh, an immediate rapport on that point. Uh, but she's also transforming herself from being the individual contributor on a team who helps um, helps with management and then being the manager who helps project manage on things uh, into a life coach who works for herself and for her clients, going out there and bringing into the world what she thinks the world needs it's very impressive the way that she's done that. And I really wanted to find out from her how she made that transition in her life. I know a lot of people who work full time and who think about, um, is this going to be the moment that I can break out and become the independent person and finding out from Paula, how she did it and how she's doing it and how she continues to do it. Uh, was fascinating. The jumpstart your joy energy <laughs> that she brings to her episode is infectious. Uh, and I loved talking with her and I love being able to share her message. Whatever it is, like knowing that you might give somebody else that little bump of joy or that bump of hope or whatever it is that keeps them going, like that also is totally motivating. Even in like the hard times, it's like somebody else needs this message. So I'm, I'm honored to even be a part of it. Similarly, um, I spoke with uh, Malek, Malek Banun in my fifth episode, um, and he's a different kind of coach, and he's been doing physical fitness coaching, which is an area I haven't got a lot of exposure to, to be perfectly honest. I've never invested in my body in the way that Malek's clients do. And if anything, he's got me thinking that that might be something I want to do next, the idea of uh, having somebody like Malik next to me at the gym encouraging me at those points when 
I feel like I just can't push through that machine any further. Um, it's appealing. Um, and uh, the passion that he brings to what he's doing uh, is also very, very infectious. Um, the way that he uh, feels driven by his own internal goals, that that's one of the things that I got from Malik, the idea that you should measure your success against your own internal goals rather than by some external measure because those external measures are by definition external. If you let fear grow, it matures. And if you if you're fighting a matured fear, then you have a way more likely chance to for defeat. I would always say when as soon as you like feel the fear, like run after it. like literally look it in the eye and just go after it right then because your self-confidence It'll all get better as long as you don't let fear grow. One of the people I met while I was setting up this podcast was Vinay Patankar. And uh, he runs that uh, Process Street, which is a checklist service that lets you create um, checklists for processes that you can share with other people and they can walk through. You can uh, find step by step how you're supposed to do something and then write it out with pictures and with video descriptions and whatever, and create a checklist that you can share with somebody. Um, Vinay came to that idea because he himself had been running businesses and had been having problems trying to document his processes and um, share them out in such a way that they could be used by people that he brought into the company to work with him. He's, again, somebody who came up with an idea and put it out into the world um, and is responding to the way that the world reacts to it. Um, and that's really uh, what I'm finding that Hack the Process is all about. It's about putting things out there into the world. And I think that people basically, either they come from really high paying jobs and they go to try and start a startup and it becomes difficult for them because like their lifestyle gets hit significantly and they're not getting that income anymore. Or they kind of give themselves this window where they're like, you know, I have this budget and it's six months. And then if I don't hit it in six months, I'm going to go back to my job. You're probably going to fail. Another person who's put a lot of things out into the world um, is Alex de Simone, somebody who's still currently earning his MBA um, at, uh, at Stanford. Um, I met him when we were both working together uh, at a company. Um, I was a platform engineer and he was a front-end engineer and we became friends. But while we were there, he uh, he launched a company on the side, uh, which he's currently an advisor for called Jobber, uh, that's doing phenomenally well, uh, where you can match up companies with jobs to people looking for those jobs, uh, much the way that people meet for dating. Um, and then... Uh, after doing that, he started uh, another company that, again, scratched an itch of his own, which involved giving feedback to companies from people who are of the same generation that he is, the millennial generation, and people who would be more likely to give feedback using text messaging. And he created a system whereby companies could integrate that. I wanted to talk to him about how he's managed to take things from being that something that's just deep inside of his head into something that's out there in the world. Still being in school has actually been more of a help. So I've been able to get a lot of feedback from, you know, folks in my class. Um, I've gotten a handful of leads from, you know, students that have graduated a year before us uh, that are interested in using the product. You know, one of our professors calls it the use the student card. You could even say I'm doing a research project for school. 
if it's what it takes for them to, you know, take your call. A friend of mine from high school, um, Andrew Nance, uh, caught my attention. Um, Andrew had been doing some really amazing work. Um, he is a, uh, a director in the theater. He's a performer. Um, and he also does mindfulness training. Um, and uh, he's come up with a really interesting uh, association between mindfulness and improvisational theater, um, which incidentally is a running theme that I've noticed among a few of the people that I've spoken with in this first season of uh, Hack the Process. But what Andrew did was apply this to children in education. Um, and he's actually been teaching mindfulness classes to kindergartners, um, which is just such a fascinating idea. Um, you know, who comes up with that and then goes out and then puts it into the world and makes it real. Um, and he's actually forming a, a nonprofit around this idea, uh, which is mind blowing to me because all of the paperwork that's involved in that, all of the effort and all of the time, uh, probably for not a lot of reward, except for the sense that you're doing something good for the world. I wanted to talk with Andrew and find out from him how he came to this idea and how he had the uh, the stamina and the uh, the gumption to put it out into the world and say this is something real and this is something people should be doing and I want to help people do this. The the Buddhists talk about the monkey mind. And to me, monkeys are a little wild for me. Like, I don't want a monkey running around in my brain. You know, a puppy I can handle. That's the image that I like. But I, I really have enjoyed kind of instilling that concept for kids. They just totally get it that their minds and bodies are like puppies. My ninth episode was with uh, Ron Lichty, um, and Ron is uh, a, fractional, a fractional executive at a variety of companies, but I think his passion, and uh, we've discussed this, is really management and the way that it fits into the Agile process. And Agile is a way of getting teams to work together. Um, it's something that I specialize in, and it's something that he specializes in. Um, in fact, uh, I brought Ron into the a company that I worked at a couple of years ago to train several teams uh, in the company about how to use Agile to make their process more effective, to make their estimations clearer, to help make a sustainable practice possible. Um, and a lot of what he taught is the same stuff that I teach now and that I help coach people on. Um, I wanted to talk to Ron uh, because we've known each other for a long time. We worked together at Apple Computer. Uh, we were friends and uh, we've stayed in touch over the years. He has been publishing books and working uh, in various companies and evangelizing the concept of Agile in a way that I find very impressive. And it's magical to hear him talk about the role of management and what a manager is there to do to help support the success of a team. Yeah, I think the, the thing you leave behind as a manager is the ecstasy that you feel as a programmer when you get a program to work, when you get code to work, when you get the, the, the hard algorithm that you are working on and you see it actually come to fruition and, and it causes you to jump up and down out of your chair with joy. The 10th episode of, uh, of my podcast 
uh, was with Ankit Shah, uh, who is the founder of a of a foundation uh, called Tea with Strangers. And it's just as simple and delightful as it sounds. Uh, he came up with a brilliant idea uh, when he was in college to help him meet his own graduating classmates, uh, to just set up schedules and meet with them over tea to have conversations. And through a little bit of iteration, he discovered that uh, there's a there's a magic that happens when four or five strangers just get together over a cup of tea in a public space and agree to talk for a couple of hours and be there for each other. Um, there's a presence to that. Uh, I don't think he was expecting it, but the power of that presence really took off and he's got tea with strangers now happening in cities all around the world and I'm not exactly sure where it's going to go next but it has to go somewhere because it is big and it is strong and it's a force that um, people are really feeling the power of so it's uh, it was great to get a chance to sit down and talk with him after having been to a tea with strangers event myself he is such a thoughtful person, uh, and I think that comes across well in the in the episode. I was very sparing with the way that I edited that because I wanted to make it clear the way that he thinks and the way that he speaks is is thoughtful. He puts his mind into his ideas and shares them, and sharing really seems to be at the core of what he's trying to give the world. Like I'm, I'm not looking at Two Strangers and thinking, oh, this is going to be the number one community organization of the world if there was such a thing. That's not like, you know, that's like a silly goal because it's completely based on some external standard. The goal that you should be pursuing is a goal that's based on an internal standard. And if you can understand whatever that goal is, that you have your own standards to measure, there's a good likelihood that you're going to pursue that ad nauseum. You're going to work on it harder than the next person who works on it because they're trying to beat somebody. They're trying to get something. You're trying to become who you are. I uh, interviewed Hampton Catlin in my 11th episode. And Hampton and I have worked together. And if you're in certain industries, you know his name immediately. Because he invented um, the languages Hamel and Sass which have, uh, certainly SAS has become fundamental in the way that the web is developed. It is more likely than not that you have visited a site within the last week that was developed using technologies that uh, Hampton invented. And I also wanted to talk to Hampton because he's, he's a fun and interesting guy. He's, uh, he's got a great sense of humor and a wonderful way of presenting himself. And he's had an outsider's perspective on the world. It's part of who he is and part of what he brings to his career. Um, and I wanted to find out more about how that impacted his career and the choices that he's made. He's let who he is inspire uh, what he's done. And in fact, he credits being uh, able to invent and come up with these technologies partially to the fact that he views the world from that outsider's perspective. For me, being gay is something that very much challenged me when I was younger. You know, I was very religious. I grew up in a very conservative family, very loving, but very conservative. And, you know, when all the rules of your life break, like, that's not supposed to happen. I was a nice kid. Like, what? Why? Why me? And then you start questioning other things about the rest of the world. And, you know, well, wait, is this really true? Is this, does this really have to be true? Um, is everybody else thinking clearly? 
right now. Um, and it, it really, I think, sets that path of questioning and, and being humble about being wrong. Like. Tara Byrne was actually somebody I met at one of the Tea with Strangers events that, uh, that I went to with Ankit Shah. Um, and I wanted to find out more about who she was. I friended her on Facebook and immediately found that she already knew several people I already knew. <laughs> and she's the founder of uh, Under 30 Changemakers, which is a group that uh, I had heard about, but I didn't realize she was involved in until I look, started looking at her profile. She's applied the concept of social entrepreneurship in this group, helping millennials who want to make a difference in the world create their companies and create a presence for themselves. Uh, she's uh, an extrovert, uh, and she's great at using that ability to create live events and to create uh, connections between people. Her her offer uh, to share a template for how to create an event was a wonderful idea because it's something that a lot of people out there don't know how to do, and the world needs more of uh, of the type of things that Tara is bringing. I don't think I need anyone to tell me that, you know, you're, you're good enough to do this. I have to believe that I am good enough to, for whatever it is that I pursue, because otherwise, why, <laughs> why would I do it in the first place? And I personally think that what I do is worthwhile. When Ryan Wagner uh, approached me about being a guest of Hack the Process, his story um, was fascinating to me because he's gone from being that uh, individual contributor working full-time in a company, doing web development or mobile development in particular, um, to going out and freelancing, and then not only being the freelancer, but turning his freelance business into something that makes you know nine times as much as most freelancers out there are making. Um, and it's partially because of the way that he positions his service, but it's also because of the value that he provides to his customers. And a lot of that is knowing how to recognize where that value comes from and how to contribute to their bottom line in a way that makes sense and that makes his services worth what he's charging. And he's not only doing that for his clients, but he's also giving back to the other freelancers out there, to the community of freelancers. The way that he finds his own jobs um, is through a service that he has made public, which is a curated list of, of jobs uh, he makes available through letsmakeapps.io. Um, and there's a free version, a premium version. Um, and it's remarkable that he's he took the time to look back and say, what is it about my own career that would have helped me when I was starting out as a freelancer? And what can I do for the other freelancers out there? So I wanted to bring him on the show and find out what his own process is and how he came to the idea that helping other freelancers was going to be something that was important to the way that he wanted to give back to the community. And it's kind of an aspirational story for people who might be working right now as uh, full-time employees but want to start their freelance business and don't really know where to go. Partly I make nine times as much now because I got my personal finance situation cleaned up. And that gave me the freedom to make bigger bets with myself, to go after bigger projects, to, to get rid of bad clients who are dragging me down, to, to experiment with my pricing, things like that. That's, it's just really hard to do if you need this next $1,000 because you got to pay rent. That's a bad, that desperation is like a growth killer.
So the first season of Hack the Process didn't turn out at all the way that I was expecting it to be. What I'm finding is that the motivation that I've gotten from talking with many of these people I've interviewed has been enough to keep me moving forward. Uh, it's reminding me that I need to judge myself against the goals that I set for myself. And that there's no reason not to set goals that are huge. There's no limit to what you can want. So you may as well want as much as possible. The thing about doing this for myself as I've been developing it is that I'm learning more about my own process. And by being exposed to all of these people and the processes that they use as they approach their own businesses and their own life decisions, um, I'm getting a chance to see that each one of these people is as much a mirror of myself um, as they are probably a mirror of the listeners out there who are picking up ideas from them. I used to uh, approach the idea of podcast as something that could be beneficial to my reputation or something that could earn me uh, prestige. But as I'm going through it, I'm realizing that what motivates me to do this more is the hope that what I'm putting out there into the world is going to help the people who are listening. And I know that sounds cheesy. And I know that even sounds uh, less than genuine because it sounds so cheesy. But um, it's honest. Uh, it's, it's true. And it's the only thing I think that could get me going back. I love what I'm doing. Um, and more than what I'm doing is I love the idea that what I'm doing is going to help people. I want to know that it is helping people, but I'm satisfied believing that it's helping people. Um, it would be wonderful to get uh, acknowledgement of that. But even if I don't get that, um, I need to be motivated intrinsically to do what I'm doing. So I'm getting ready to launch into the second season of Hack the Process, and I'm glad you're here with me, and I hope that you'll stick with me because this is getting more interesting and I'm looking forward to a lot of fun. Once again, I just want to say thank you to Tracy DeLuca, Adam Sadiq, Pace Smith, Paula Jenkins, Malik Benoon, Vinay Patankar, Alex DeSimone, Andrew Nance, Ron Lichty, Ankate Shaw, Hampton Catlin, Tara Byrne, and Ryan Wagner. Without your honesty and your candor and your generosity, this season would never have been what it was. Are you glad you listened to this episode of Hack the Process? Then take an action now. Make a note about something you just heard and how it's going to help you as you hack your own process. And let me know about it. This has been M. David Green, your host for Hack the Process. You can tweet me at Hack the Process, leave a review for the show on iTunes, and visit hacktheprocess.com to check out the show notes for this episode and join our community of process hackers. Thanks for listening. <laughs>